<laughs> I thought you said you were done. <laughs> really? This is super serious. Okay. Salvation. <laughs> talk. <laughs> I'm not going to talk over you. I can't use this as an intro. This is terrible. No, it's not. It's fine. I mean, it's awesome. Salvation. That's what we're talking about today. We are. And I'm not using that as an intro, though. We're okay. going to wait for you to stop laughing so I can actually do it right. All right. Welcome to Bossy Pants and the Nerd. We're Mel and Kevin, and we're going to chat with you about our passions, what we've learned, and what we love. Also, we're married to each other, and you get to listen to us talk. You are welcome. So today we want to talk about one of the... Well, basically the foundational idea of the Christian faith. Basically the most basic. Basically the most basic thing ever. Uh, salvation. What is it? What does that look like? And um, how has, I think maybe a good way of putting this is, how has our understanding of salvation changed as we got older, as we went to seminary, as we learned all these things? Kind of untangling, unpackaging all of our Christian jargon mm-hmm. and figuring out what it really is about. Can we say it without saying words that only ever get heard in church? Like Mm. salvation? No. I guess salvation can be used in any context. Yes. Salvation is... Yeah, that's a word. We can use that one. This coffee is my salvation. It's actually... I'm drinking black tea. Oh, okay. Never mind. (laughs) So salvation. What did uh, did you think that meant when you were five? Uh, It meant that I had prayed the prayer, the salvation prayer, and believed that I was a sinner and that I was separated from God, which is true. Okay, so so salvation prayer, what's that? uh, Any prayer that you pray to confess your sins to Jesus, to confess that you believe that you are a sinner and that Jesus is the only way uh, to eternal life, Mm -hmm. which is especially about avoiding hell. So you will be in heaven when you die. Okay, so what, what do you mean when you say sinner? A sinner. Sinner. Um, an evil person. <laughs> it has a very dark connotation. Um, and I think sin is one of those words that's like, oof. Like, it just makes us all feel yucky. But I think we could all... Uh, sin is anything that separates us from God. So a sinner is somebody who continually does things that separates them from God? Yeah. All right. And so when you're a kid, you thought that, okay, what, what goes on here is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do my thing. And I'm a terrible person. I'm that person who always does things that separate me from God. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to say, hey, that stuff was bad. Mm-hmm. I need God to make me good mm-hmm. so that I don't burn in hell forever. Mm-hmm. But instead I get to go play a harp on a cloud. It Honestly, no. Like, because if you... I, I don't remember what this was called, but I was trained in high school to ask people the question, if you were to die today, Mm -hmm. would you go to heaven? Would you, what was that? Normally the question is, do you know where you would go if if you were were to to die die tonight? Yeah. And that is really. Audio Adrenaline has a great song called DC 10. Y'all should go listen to it right now. It it is all about that song. Do you know where you're going to go? And DC 10 is because if a DC 10 fell right out of heaven. Crash the roof of a 7-Eleven. You know and you go. were reaching for a Twinkie, but now you're pushing up daisies. Do you know where you're going to go? Where I gotta go. Okay, yeah. so that's all salvation was about, was really your eternal destiny. Are you going to go to heaven or hell? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go to heaven. But I also didn't think that salvation 
was like a fixing of my sin. I continued to mm. sin. And until I got to college, I remember writing a paper in, I don't know, junior, senior year of college, Theology and Romans. Mm. And the Romans chapter 7, talks all, Paul is talking all about the I, like who is the I, an unredeemed or a redeemed Christian. Was all right, really talk about debate. this. Like Romans so 7, I know what you're I, talking about, but I maybe do not people do out in podcast land don't. The good that I want to do and the evil that I don't want to do, I do, and it's like all this I do and I don't, I need to do it. So let me, let me summarize. Romans 7 is Paul writing a section. He writes in the first person. He keeps saying I. Mm-hmm. He keeps talking about how there's stuff he wants to do that he doesn't do. There's a bunch of stuff he doesn't want to do that he keeps doing. Mm-hmm. And so he knows that this sinful desire keeps reigning in him, is yeah. the phrase that he uses. Yeah. And so the big question is, is Paul actually talking about himself? Mm-hmm. And does sin continue to be a struggle even after you become a Christian? Right. Or is he using some sort of like rhetorical device and is sin something you can fully get rid of and move past? And I was really hardcore in the, in the camp of that is a Christian because that is my experience is that even as a follower of Jesus for like, since I was four and a half, five years old, I still struggle with sin. I still struggle with doing things I do not want to do. The things I do, I hate. Like, there is that continual struggle. But at the same time, I don't know. What is your, what is your response? What is your take on that? My, on the Roman 7 thing in my, particular? My take has changed on that passage. But. Right. And so now you're of the opinion that you can put that kind of sin behind you. Yeah. I, I, I think that that perhaps, though, is the process of being saved, of sanctification. of Ooh, That's a big word. Of becoming made whole in love, becoming made perfect in love. Like, that I still mess up. I still make mistakes on a moment-by-moment basis, but my intentions are being made more and more pure and more and more, like, I'm not, when I wrote that paper in college, I was still doing things out of kind of like a cruelty, honestly. Like, an, like I, I remember saying and doing things to you at that point in our relationship that were just simply unkind to hurt you intentionally. And I remember... Uh, Charles, what was his name? Chuck, Chuck White uh, was like, seriously? Like he could not believe that I was telling him the truth. I'm like, yeah, I still do things. So I was not, definitely not sanctified at that point. I think I'm still in the process, but. So you think that sanctified is binary? You either are or you aren't? That's what John Wesley made it feel like. I don't think that that is true. All right, so let's talk about sin, because I don't think we've identified what sin is yet. So, so now you know all the entanglement, the entanglements uh, <laughs> and all of the vocab that you may or may not understand. You may have followed that. Yeah, that was a lot of words. So let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, if you had to define sin today, what, like say Kirsten, you know, yeah. our, our kid walks in. She's like, so mom, you know, I'm four years old now. I'm old enough to start studying theology systematically. I wouldn't be surprised. Can you define sin for me, please? I still believe sin is anything that separates us from God. I think that's an easy way to put it. It can be something we do that is hurtful to our relationship with God, to ourselves, or to our relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. It's anything that breaks a relationship. So it could be deliberately my right. relationship with God or my relationship with myself or mm-hmm. with other people. So if you didn't mean to, mm-hmm. like say you're hanging out with somebody and you thought it was... Uh, a crew full of people that all agreed that Trump was a dork. Mm-hmm. And you say something about anyone who votes for Trump is clearly an idiot. See episode eight. See the last episode. <laughs> um, and somebody gets their feelings hurt. 
Yeah. And you thought it was a safe group to say that in and you weren't going to offend anyone. And turns out mm-hmm. somebody there who's going to vote for Trump and they took that personally. You didn't mean anything by it. Yeah. You wouldn't have said it if you knew any better. But you hurt their feelings. You yeah. broke that relationship. Is that sin? I think so. Okay. So it's not think, possible to avoid mistakes like that. Right. You, you're not. You're never going to get to the point where you know everything right. at all times. Right. So if that's your definition and if that is sin, sounds like you're saying it, it is impossible to avoid ever to completely avoid sin. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We are all terrible people. <laughs> No matter how good you are, there is the potential for you to make a mistake and hurt someone or your relationship with someone. I think the difference between the Melanie of 2000 and what year would that have been? Like 7, 2006, 2007? And the Melanie of now is that at that point I had extreme shame and guilt about that. And, And maybe even a fear that... I didn't think I would lose my salvation because at that point I was like all in, like forever and ever. But I now believe that you could choose to walk away from God, just like you can choose to walk away. So that's not once saved, always saved. I was once (laughs) saved, always saved. Now I'm a, you are always saved if you choose to be. (laughs) Like you can choose to walk away from God, from your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, we can talk about free will later because I'm huge into free will. Yeah, that's a whole different topic. Yeah, your choices are your fault, so. Yeah. Um, but now as God has continued to work in me, I think the work of the Holy Spirit that is, that saved me at that moment when I prayed with my mom when I was four, that was a moment in time. A so salvation you're saying saved moment. now. Yeah. Well, you did salvation. We did sanctification. I, now you're talking about I being saved. I experienced salvation. I was saved when I was five. Mm-hmm. I have continued to experience salvation throughout my life as I've continued to live with Jesus, to try to be in step with the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is inviting me to. And I think the Holy Spirit is continuing to save me because there's always something else that's broken. There's always a relation. I just sent a message today to a friend that I think I had hurt. I There's always something internally in our minds. We have messed up relationships with food and thoughts and behaviors and habits and with our friends and family and and with God. And and the difference is the the sanctification, the salvation. I think sanctification is the ongoing process of salvation, of being made holy over time with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am learning how to see, have my sin brought up to me in a way that I almost embrace. I'm almost excited. <laughs> Not in a not in a happy way, but like you I'm. You're not excited when I tell you you did something wrong. That is true. I'm not <laughs> excited about it, but I'm. I don't feel shame. I feel maybe sadness and remorse, but I don't feel like the shame and guilt and like self-loathing that I felt 12 years ago or 15 years ago. I feel like a release, like a freedom to move forward without that thing. That's something that I can leave behind with the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's define some terms. Um, I have a lot of terms. That was that was a lot of terms. So God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, mm-hmm. and God the Holy Spirit. Those three. Mm-hmm. All three God? Yes. Distinct persons? Yes. Okay. God um, in three persons, blessed Trinity. Yeah, and if you need to know about the Trinity and Orthodox teaching on the Trinity, um, super complicated, the Athanasian Creed, super long, super complicated, super... 
crazy and difficult to understand, but it's the only way of actually talking about the Trinity without committing some sort of heresy on accident. Yeah. Um, so moving on. One God, three persons. That's cool. Um, you're talking about salvation, being saved, sanctification, you know, whatever, continuing work of God and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can simplify that a little bit. I'm sure you can. Salvation is an umbrella term for two parts. Uh-huh. Being saved or salvation comes in two halves. Okay. There's that first moment where you're like, hey, this is what I want. God, will you please come help? Mm-hmm. Right? That's a one-time. You only have to do that once. You only have to start that relationship once. Mm-hmm. That's called justification or some, like, evangelical traditions in particular will call it being saved or praying the prayer or the, you know, whatever. I remember when I was little, justification. Just as if I never sinned. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you mess up again because mm-hmm. you do. Yep. Right? Um, and then so the continuing process, because you're never done working and never done trying to become more like Jesus, that's sanctification. So you have to, like, salvation is this big umbrella term mm-hmm. for the two halves of what the Christian life looks like. And you know, S- you got the beginning point. Yeah. Then you've got the continuing bit. And the know. S-A-N-C for sanctification is, like, a... I think that root is holy, right? Like something sanctus. to do with sanctus. Yeah, sanctus is holiness. Yeah, holy spirit. Sanctus spiritus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so like there's this continuing I want to be holy, but then there's also like that beginning point. So mm-hmm. it's, it's we're talking about both when we say sa- salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so like one process, two parts. You get the beginning bit. You get the continuing bit. You're mm-hmm. going to go. Good to go. Mm-hmm. Um I, I would say that I, I think that there's also, like, a community aspect to this. Mm. Um, there's parts that you can only do with the rest of the church, right? Um, we as Americans really like to be super individualistic about everything. Be like, yo, I can do this. I prayed the prayer. I can do it on my own. I, I have a Bible. I'm going to sit in my chair, and I'm going to read my Bible on Sunday morning, and I'm going to make some eggs. And I don't need to go to church. I'm going to watch Kevin that. and Mel do church. <laughs> Maybe that's what you do. In which case, great. We'll see you Sunday. I um, really hope that you're with people. By the time we publish this podcast, it would be really sweet if everyone wore their mask for like four to six weeks straight and we could all like, you know, see people in person. That'd be great. Sma. Wear your masks, people. Um, no. So like, I think there are parts of the salvation process or salvation or being saved that can only be done with people. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we as Americans love to be individualistic, I think that you know, for instance, communion can't be done by yourself, mm-hmm. right? And communion is something that part of your ordination vows, if you're a free Methodist pastor like Mel and I are, is that anytime communion is offered, you take it. So that means that there's this continuing, like you're never done. Like there's always the next step, you know? And we believe that sacraments in the church are a way that God shows grace to you, you know, a, a way that God pours out his spirit, that he shows favor that he helps he changes you Mm -hmm. all of those are like kind of the same thing like grace right and so when you take communion you're receiving that gift from god and you're expecting that it will change you for the better Mm. right and so that's the sanctification part of the sacraments i think is it's this continuing part. We're going to always be taking communion. We're going to always be doing this together. We're going to always be looking for the next way that God might pour out his spirit and pour out his grace so that we can be more like him because we're not perfect. We know this. Let's keep working at this. Let's keep taking communion. Let's keep doing this together. 
And I think baptism is that beginning point, that justifications part, right? Like that first step of, hey, I need this. Because baptism only needs to be done once. Yeah, this is who I am and this is what I want to become. Right. I want to be like Jesus. I'm going to say that out loud with people around me and I'm going to die to the old self. You're going to put me under the water by sprinkling or dunking him in a lake or something. And then when I come back up, that's the beginning of a new life, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that... Resurrection its, life with Jesus. Yes, that is the, the phrase. Experiencing the resurrection with Jesus. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is what Mel and I can do is we can sit here all day and make references to stuff that we've read. We can make references to liturgies. We can like, I mean, that's literally our jobs. Like we went to grad school for this stuff, right? So what is rare is that somebody can manage to take all of the grad school out of the conversation, Mm -hmm. except leaving it in the background, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't need y'all to know the liturgy. Like, I don't care if you know the liturgy. I don't care if you never memorize the Apostles' Creed, right? Or if they know those terms, justification. Or even if you know what they are. Like, I, I basically, everything we've said so far, other than I want God to make me like him, mm-hmm. if that's the only thing you know and you don't even care that salvation comes in two parts, like everything we've said so far, other than God is good, God is love, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Everything else is like, I, I really honestly don't care mm-hmm. at all in any way. Um, theology is at best, at its best, I think theology is a human scaffolding to help us understand a really basic truth Mm -hmm. that God is love, that God will always and is always loving towards us Mm -hmm. and that we are expected to be that way too. You know, Jesus, when he was on earth, somebody asked him, like, hey, yo, what's the, the greatest commandment? And like, well, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Basically everything you got. And without even being asked, he immediately kept going. And he's like, but there's a second one that matters, too. And that's love your neighbor as yourself. It's so like the common thing between the two of them is, like, whatever you're doing, whether it's in relationship to God or relationship to other people, love, mm-hmm. compassion. Like, that's what it should be about. Mm-hmm. So I would say, for me salvation comes when somebody because they know the name of god because they've read a bible because they've met a christian because they've met somebody else or because nature itself testifies Mm -hmm. because the bible says that's possible too somebody without even knowing the name jesus could go you know what the world is at its best most perfect and most right when it is in harmony and when it loves Mm -hmm. I want to be like that because that's what I see in the world. That's what I see in nature. I think in that moment, salvation, sanctification, justification, whatever word you want to put on it, the eternal life of God has come to that person. The moment they say, I want to live my life as a life of love. So are you saying they don't have to come to an altar or say certain words to be saved? Absolutely not. Interesting. I mean, can they? Can they, they can. come to an altar? Of course. And I, I think it would be words? even good to do that. It is not required mm-hmm. that they do that. What is required? What like, I just said. Like, do they said. need to tell people about it? I mean, like, I think if you're living a loving life, people are going to know. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't think telling people is required to be saved. Mm-hmm. Why would it be? Does anything in Scripture say, well, if you're going, if you don't tell anyone, you're going to burn in hell? Like. That that verse just doesn't exist. Um, yeah. I I memorized a lot of... I memorized the Romans Road. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. 
uh, but God did not um, shoot. What's Romans but it, five eight? But it's Romans though. Romans <laughs> yeah. is the wages Romans of sin is death. No, is that's Romans one? six twenty three. See, I memorized all the verses in the Romans road. I never bothered to memorize them all in order. I don't yeah, and know. Romans ten nine and ten is the other one. But then there's uh, is it Corinthians where? Um, but if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is in your heart that you believe and are justified. And I think it's one of the other with your epistles. mouth that you confess and are saved. Yeah, it's one of the other epistles. It's not Corinthians. I know because I memorized Corinthians for Bible quizzing. Or First John five eleven and twelve, and this is the testimony: God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has a Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And ladies and gentlemen, the irony of this is that I was the Bible quizzer in high school, and Melanie was not. I didn't know what Bible quizzing was, but I would be all in. For those of you that didn't know, Bible quizzing is this super ultra nerdy thing. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly what it sounds like. You memorize an entire book or books of the Bible over the course of a year, and then you have like a quiz competition over it. Like, you know, you did buy like the quiz bowl in high school or whatever. Imagine that. But with a bunch of church kids and memorizing like word for word quoting the Bible. Which the purpose of that is that we believe that the words of scripture are another way that we can experience God and God's love for us. And that those words to have them memorized are not required but can be formational in our hearts. Like when you have something memorized, it changes what you think and feel and do. Well, because here's the problem That's too. where the a lot Romans, of our language comes from. The Romans road by definition was intended to be something you memorize so then you go and then show someone else. Yeah. And that's how they learn how to be saved. Yeah. I think that that is a terrible way of doing it. I do. Because you just shared a ton of Bible verses. Right. And I'm a Christian. Right. I'm a pastor. Right. I had memorized half of those verses. If you asked me to repeat more than one of the ones that you just said five seconds ago, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. Okay, I wasn't so listening. you're also saying then that we shouldn't pass out tracks to people. No, please don't. We should not. I, I was also trained to go door to door, cold call. Like, yeah, that's awful. Walk up to somebody and say, do you know, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven when you die? Like present the gospel to random strangers so let me ask you a question dare even even back then mm-hmm. how did you feel when mormons walked up to your front door and invited um, you like to I their church to hide right so what in the world made 90s christians evangelicals or early 2000s or early 2000s or whatever with our youth group what in the world made us think that cold calling people made people think anything other than oh god here they come again i don't know it's bogus now I will say that there can be, this is why listening to the Holy Spirit is a part of our process of, like, pr- our, our constant prayer is about being open to what the Holy Spirit might be prompting us to do or say or, or respond to in the moment. So if you are in line at the grocery store, this has happened to me, where I feel like, I think I'm supposed to say something to that person. Like... There could be a moment. To where be you, clear, you don't lead with, did you know that you're a sinner and you're going to go to right, hell if you die tonight? But yeah, there could be a moment where that person is needing and waiting for the invitation to follow Jesus with their life. And so I need to be aware of that, but that isn't where I should start automatically, like with this mission to tell everybody that they're going to die and go to hell. Now, should I tell everybody that God loves them? Maybe. 
that might be something that God asked me to do. Well, and but that that's, could also come that's across the, difference, the wrong though. way. Like, because we started this by saying I thought the Romans road was a terrible way of evangelizing. Yeah. I did not start this by saying telling people that God loves them is a bad idea. Yeah. Why can't I think of Romans five eight? It's driving me crazy. Do you want me to like look it up? Uh, We're sitting next to a computer. Sure. No. Go ahead. Because if you're gonna like seriously be distracted, hold on. I'm gonna do some clicking. Okay. You're gonna hear me typing. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Um. For God did not send His Son into no. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Taking those verses out of context, because they are all out of context, is also a bad idea. Yes. You know, like, the Bible is not intended to be, like, some sort of, like, resource manual where you go, oh, I found the one tiny section I need. I can forget the rest now. No, it was a letter that Paul sent to an individual group of people, Mm -hmm. which means that, one, it may be applicable to all people in other situations, but it is not guaranteed to be so. Mm-hmm. You need to understand what was Paul saying in this context? Why was he saying it? And who gives a crap? Mm-hmm. Because when he's talking about, you know, respecting authority, let's not use that as an excuse to go be like, well, I don't know, Donald Trump got elected, so I guess I have to respect his authority when he puts people in cages at the border. Like, no, that is not what the Bible is saying. Yeah. Please do a better job of understanding scripture than that. So because how... when you use Romans 3 as an excuse for injustice and just kind of blindly going along with it, yeah. guess what? Hitler would have been proud. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> in Matthew 28, Jesus says, it's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Mm-hmm baptizing everyone in the name of the Father. and the Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how are we supposed to do that if we're not literally telling everybody <laughs> that they're going to go to hell? <laughs> how do we do that? How do we actually do that? How about... How do you do that, Kevin? How do I do that? Yeah. Honestly? Yeah. I, I do it by answering questions when asked and by living in a manner of life mm-hmm. that is worth people's time so that they ask me questions Mm -hmm. like when i worked in the public sector there's a rather large company that's in monroe michigan you can look up which company i'm talking about but i don't know i'm not going to name drop brands while i'm on here um like they found out pretty quickly i was a pastor Mm -hmm. so they called me rev kev or at least a few of them did you know or and so everybody as soon as they started on the floor there's like 100 people who are all aware hey that guy over there, he's a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so when things came up and I said things that didn't seem to match mm-hmm. what they expected me to say, yeah, they were like, hey, let's talk about that. And I'm like, great, let's talk about that. You know, don't tell my former boss, but I would take time on the clock and talk about it because eternal life and God is way more important than people with broken furniture. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like one of those things where if you live a life that doesn't suck, yeah and you actually love your neighbor, people will ask you about it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to bludgeon them in the face with verses from Romans. Yeah. I never once used the Romans road, but I got to explain eternal life and compassion for neighbor and that God loves people. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to have that conversation just about every week. Right. And I, I didn't have to be a jerk or annoying, and people weren't afraid to see me coming because I couldn't talk about anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, that was around the time The Mandalorian came out. And holy crap, did I watch that show. And it was awesome. And we talked about that. And I didn't have to turn it into, well, it really could be an analogy for Christ's salvation for us while we were still vulnerable, just like the Mandalorian protected Baby Yoda. Like, I can do that. But why would you? It's just a good show. Just leave it alone. Just yeah. be, a, be a human being. Love your neighbor. And then just 
let people see that. Mm-hmm. And then like First Peter 3 says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Yeah. Right? Because Peter and Paul, like they talked about it like it was the way. Mm-hmm. It was the hope. It was this this good news thing that we had going on. And yet too often when we walk up to people, we'll be like, yo, I don't know if you know, but your immortal soul is in peril and only God can save you, but only if you give up everything. Mm-hmm. Like, is that hope? Right. I mean, like, sure, you could do some mental gymnastics and call that hope, but it's not really. Well, and like you pointed out with the Mandalorian thing, which I thought was just like a mandolin. I Side note, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but Christians in general and pastors in particular really struggle with being human beings. Like... We don't, like, we somehow we forget how to talk to people, how to enjoy life. How Be to, a good friend We first. don't know how to live out the good news mm-hmm. in a way that, like, this affects not just where I go to church on Sunday. That doesn't matter. But, like, how I live my everyday life and what I believe. Mm-hmm. It affects everything and should come into every conversation I have. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be a side, like, a component of my life. It should be mm-hmm. all of my life. Yeah. Or like when I've got friends from work who like come in and they're talking about how drunk they were on the weekends. I did not take that as an opportunity to preach a sermon. Right. Shocker. If they want to talk to you about. If they want to ask me if I think it's smart that they drink, which a couple of them did. I told them like, look, if you're drinking enough, you don't remember your weekend. You drank too much and you really need to stop. Mm -hmm. If you ever need me to pick you up from somewhere, let me know. Mm -hmm. If you ever need me to like make sure you don't drink too much on a certain night, let me know. I'm here for you. Yeah. And this is my opinion of your drinking. Right. But hey, I mean, ultimately, it's your decision. Free will is a thing. Right. I'm here for you, but you do you. Yeah. And that kind of giving people enough space to make decisions they disagree with you on Mm -hmm. makes them more willing to come back and ask a question later. Yeah. If I had come down like a hammer and been like, yo, you drink too much. You're a terrible sinner. Drunkenness is one of the lists of things in the Bible that will keep you from eternal life and inheriting the kingdom of God. Your soul is in danger. Bye, Felicia. Peace. Never talking (laughs) to you again. You suck. You know, like, they're not going to come back to me and be like, hey, yo, I I made a bad decision last weekend. Something happened, <laughs> and I really need to run it by you because I'm feeling kind of crappy about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, because people did. They came back to me, and they wanted to talk to me about things. Yeah. And I got to actually say, hey, you matter. God still loves you. I still love you. There is hope in this situation. Even though you think you've made some mistakes, you probably have made some mistakes. Yeah. I do, too. God can redeem this. Mm-hmm. God can redeem you because God loves you. We should be... All Christians, not just Pastor Mel and Pastor Kevin, should be living the kind of lives that love extravagantly and without limitations or qualifications all people and ourselves in a way that, like, those people who might not stop drinking for years or ever mm-hmm. <laughs> always know that they can come back to you and find the love of God mm-hmm. in you, and they might experience it for themselves. Yeah, and I wasn't sure how it was going to go because I don't work at that company anymore. But every once in a while, like... People will friend me who I worked with. And that honestly to me tells me I was doing something right. Yeah. That even though I never hid what I believed, mm-hmm. I never, like if people asked my opinion, I gave my opinion. You didn't like start a Bible study. Or... But I didn't start a Bible study and guilt everyone into having to come like, to a Bible study. See you I at just, the poll before work in the morning. <laughs> I just lived my life. Yeah. And my life is in Christ. My life is a saved life. It yeah. is a redeemed life. It's a different life. Mm-hmm. 
and I could just I could just be that, mm-hmm. and also just be a friend. And I think what you're describing is that salvation is not just a theology; it is a it is a holistic salvation. That mm-hmm. salvation has come to us not just in a form of what we believe, but in how we live every part of our lives. And that's why I believe in the words that I use to summarize salvation are to be healed and made whole by Jesus and to bring that healing and wholeness into the world. Because we are healed and made whole of our brokenness from sin in a moment of justification. We are being healed and made whole by Jesus by the through the power of the Holy Spirit as we live our lives and as the Holy Spirit continues to bring up hey, you might want to go see your doctor about depression. Hey, you might want to talk to your Mm -hmm. spouse about that thing that you said the other day that was really unkind. Hey, you might want to bring banana bread to your neighbor across the street because that would be kind. And you begin to live this life that is being healed and made whole, Mm -hmm. sanctified by the, the Holy Spirit and by the love of God. And then other people want that. And that is, you're bringing the healing and wholeness, the love of God Mm -hmm. into the world. Yeah, and if at any point that change that God is bringing or that you think God is bringing about in you means that you are a worse friend before the ch- like after the change, hmm. then that that wasn't God. Cuz I know there have been some people in some situations I've had where somebody like somebody like finds a church, mm-hmm. right? And now all of a sudden like they they can't they can't talk to their friends anymore. Or they get isolated. Or like there are a lot of churches out there that are like, yo, if you hang out with non-Christians, you're a bad person. You're a bad Christian if you hang out with people who don't believe like you do. And so like that is, I mean, honestly, that's that's a cult. Yeah. To isolate people away from their contacts that they had before. Yeah. And to say you're only allowed to have these new contacts, like that's straight up a cult. That's not what Jesus did. And so what we need to do is we need to follow the model that Jesus had, which is like, yeah, you should be a different person, but I'm still going to go to a tax collector's house for dinner, Mm -hmm. but I'm still going to have a tax collector for a disciple. I'm still going to let the woman with a bad reputation oil my feet. Yeah. I'm I'm still going to have these connections with anyone Mm -hmm. who wants to be, around me so we need christian community we need people to help show us the love of god and to help us grow in the mm-hmm. love of god and love of other people but we need other people we need people who you, don't you can't we shut need people all out. the people <laughs> you can't shut people out you know compassion and and love for neighbor doesn't know boundaries and i know one of the most basic verses that you learn in Sunday school if you're five years old is John three sixteen. but you and I both really like to emphasize that it doesn't stop there that's out of context mm-hmm. as well John three sixteen and 17 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will never perish. shall not perish but have eternal life mm-hmm. there's so many versions of this for God did not con- send, send his, his son, son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And so, I mean, that's the key there is everyone remembers the first one, maybe if you went to to church as a kid, but it's not just about turn and burn, (laughs) but to acknowledge in the Bible, God did not send Jesus to condemn, but to save, but to save. And so if you are interested in salvation at all, you cannot have condemnation be your goal. Mm -hmm. You cannot have pointing out mistakes be your goal. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that, love and salvation and restoration and hope that's got to be your goal otherwise you miss the point 